Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate. Pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Brett McKay here, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. So a few months ago, uh, we had a guest on the show. Her name is Frances Cole Jones. She's the author of the book, How to Wow, Proven Strategies for Selling Your Brilliant Self in Any Situation. Uh, great podcast. If you haven't listened to it yet, go check it out. It's podcast number 164. And uh, Frances, she uh, makes her living coaching high-level executives and other media personalities on how to put their best foot forward in business situations or if they're going to be on TV or on the radio. And we got a lot of great feedback on that show because she provided a lot of great tips on um, job interviews, negotiations, social skills, small talk, etc. She uh, got into that. And uh, at the end of the show, she invited our listeners to go to her website where she has a form where you can ask her any question when it comes to personal presentation in your professional or personal life. So you know, how to make small talk, what should you wear to a job interview, how do you prepare for a job interview, things like that. And she was flooded with questions and she said, uh, she emailed me back, she said, I got a lot of great questions and I thought it would be, you know what, this would be a great idea for you to bring Francis back onto the show to answer some of these questions that you all asked her. Because I figure if one guy had that question, there's probably, you know, two or three dozen other guys who have that same question. Uh, so we're going to make this a regular thing. She got a lot. We were only able to cover a few in this episode. I'm going to call it Ask Francis, and uh, we're going to answer some of the questions you asked her um, several months ago. So today, the themes we hit on today are how to deal with difficult conversations or power struggles in the workplace, how to uh, deal when you're having small talk and you feel like the conversation's lagging, or maybe you, you throw something out there and it just sort of bombs and like everyone just is silent. How do you deal with that situation? And then we also talk about how to deal with those things you might be self-conscious about that uh, whenever you're interacting with others. So if you have a stutter, how do you handle that with grace and charm? Uh, what do you do if you feel like you're too tall? We also talk about how things, specific things you can do to be more charismatic in both your professional and personal life. Great episode. And again, after the show, check out the show notes. Um, you can find that at aom.is slash jones. And you can also visit her site, at franciscolejones.com where you can ask her another question uh, so we can bring that up the next time we do this. So without further ado, Francis Cole Jones on basically being your best self in whatever situation you find yourself in. Francis Cole Jones, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. So we had you on a few months ago to talk about your book, How to Wow. Um, it's all about presentation in the workplace, your personal life. So you give your best possible impression. And at the end of the show, 
first off, the show is well received. We, I mean, got a lot of great feedback from it. But at the end of the show, you asked our, or you invited our listeners to go to your website and you have a place where they can submit questions about any topic about presentation, charisma, body language, uh, professional dress, etc. And you were just overwhelmed with the amount of questions and awesome questions that AOM podcast listeners had for you. And um, we thought it'd be fun, you and I discussed this, to uh, bring you back every now and then, because you had so many questions um, about a wide variety of topics, to bring you back and discuss some of these questions. I think if one or two of these listeners had that question, it's probably thousands or hundreds that have the same question. Um, so that's what we're going to do. I think we'll have you on every quarter or so to discuss about how to wow and uh, the specifics of it. Thank you. Yeah, no, I agree. I um, I, I loved all the questions that I got and I really do. I put that proposal out all the time, but it's a testament to your listeners that they took me up on it um, because they, they did. Uh, and all the questions do roll to my phone and I do answer every single one of them. It might take me a little bit, but I do. And I just, I really, it's one of the great, great pleasures and privileges of what I do. That's great. So, uh, there was uh, some common themes that came up, um, and we'll hit on a few of them today and some of the specific questions about these common themes. And, uh, one common theme was charisma, um, and how to access charisma. But before we get to the specific questions about charisma, because the one question that happened over and over again was, uh, many people believe you're either born with charisma or you aren't. Um, is this true? No. And if, right, right. No. And then, it, so it's something you can cultivate it. And if so, how, but before we answer that question, can you, how do you define charisma? Like, what are we shooting for? To me, charisma is that, that quality that makes you say, Ooh, I, I'm so happy. I'm going to be so, seeing so-and-so or wow, I, I'm really, you know, I'm completely engrossed in this conversation. Um, and it has nothing to do with looks and it has nothing to do with in your bank account and it's nothing to do with what you're wearing. It's just that quality of passion and curiosity. Um, it's kind of a mix of the two things. So, okay. If you're not born with it, mm -hmm. um, how do you cultivate it? Well, there are a few things that you can do. I mean, one of the things, first of all, I just want to say, you know, because people do say, oh, but I've been told I don't have any charisma. You don't have, maybe you don't have it. Maybe you haven't accessed it yet, but let's definitely say yet because it is possible for everyone. Um, I think that the, you know, if you're doing, a, if you're giving a presentation, the way to make yourself charismatic is to say to yourself, why do I have to tell this story? Like what about it? do is so desperately important to me, but that needs to be added into why does my audience have to hear this? Why is hearing this going to make their life better? And what happens is, you know, very often when people do presentations, they're very good with the front end. They're very clear on why I have to tell this story, but they're less clear on why their audience has to hear it. That piece of really, truly, this will make your life better, and I'm going to tell you how. So there's that piece of it for presentations. And then I think it's always really good to, all, to explain how did it transform my life? You know, because what that does is it gets you into a storytelling mode. And storytelling is so much more interesting than what's known in my business as useless modifiers. Like, it's just really great. It's amazing. It's incredible. Nothing happens in my brain. So how did it transform 
your life and how will it transform your listener's life? So those are two things to think about with presentations. In terms of just one-on-one encounters, if you're feeling nervous about it, a great trick that I use a lot is imagine that your person you're meeting is a reporter and say to yourself, okay, what three words, if I were going to read an article about myself after this meeting, what three words would I want the reporter to use to describe me? Would I want that person to say that I'm curious or I'm passionate or I'm sympathetic or whatever it might be, but pick three attributes that you really want to embody while you're speaking to them. And what's nice about that is it really does give you a focus um, for staying present for the person you're speaking to. So yeah, you, I think you talked about in the last podcast you had is like part of charisma is just being like being fully present with the person. And listening and listening, you know, people listen kind of one of two ways. They listen to either interrupt <laughs> or they listen to, you know, yes, to interject their own story. So they either want to negate or they want to turn the conversation back to them. But I think when you're really listening to somebody, asking them things like, you know, how did that make you feel? And wow, that sounds like it's something that was really hard for you. And the person you're talking to is like, oh my God, you're right. It was really hard for me. Um, and all of a sudden, again, they leave that encounter and they're like, oh my goodness, so-and-so is so charismatic. So, Is there anything with your, your body language that you can... can- you know, convey that you're, that you are present. Cause you know, one, you know, everyone talks about Bill Clinton. He has this sort of magic ability to make that one person in the room feel like they're the only person in the room. Um, I think this comes back to eye communication and, okay. you know, which again is above and beyond eye contact, which is just, you know, kind of not at all the same thing, but it's really staying with that person and keeping, you know, because, you know, you've been at different parties and had different encounters Well, the person is kind of talking to you and kind of looking over your shoulder to see if someone more interesting is walking in the room. So it is that person who just stays with you and really, you know, looks, you know, into your eyes. And one of the things that I talk about There is a school of thought that says that when you really want to persuade somebody about something, then you look into their left eye as you're talking. Um, That is the way that you can persuade them of whatever it is. What's going on there? Why the left eye? (laughs) Well, you know, it could be people, you might have to roll with this a little bit because some people think this is kooky, but... You know, there is a school of thought in uh, that the right side of your body is fire and the left side of your body is water. This is the whole yin-yang thing. It's an Ayurvedic thing. So if you're looking into somebody's left eye, you're looking into that softer, more fluid, more accepting and receptive part. Um, The opposite is true. You know, when you're finished being persuasive, and you just need them to do whatever it is that you need them to do. If you want to command somebody about something, look into their right eye. Now, you know, there are a lot of people who are listening to this and thinking, you know, she's completely off her rocker. <laughs> right. and, you know, and I get that. And so I guess the only thing I can do is I can invite you to see if it works for you. Um, certainly it's a trick that 
are a tool, let's say, that I use all the time. And it also, it just is really helpful in terms of keeping you focused. If you're looking with both of your eyes at their left eye, you're going to stay with them. You're going to stay present in a very different way. Look, yeah, I, yeah, I can see that being useful in that way. Um, yeah. Like just for that, just like it help, it gives you something to focus on. Right. Instead of wandering around your eyes. But yeah, so I'm going to challenge AOM listeners right now. Like check it out. Go out and do the left eye note. thing <laughs> and write Francis a note. <laughs> Saying this is completely kooky, Francis, or hey, Francis, it worked. And uh, yeah, tweet it out to me because I'd like to hear the responses <laughs> as well. All right. So yeah, accessing charisma is like getting that passionate why and being able to articulate it. Um, passion and curiosity. Passion and curiosity and just being fully and completely present with the person, whether you've just one-on-one or even when you're giving a presentation to a larger group. Yes. Okay. So there you go. Accessing charisma. So another uh, theme that came up with the questions you received was how to have difficult conversations, um, both professionally and uh, in your personal life, whether it's uh, your children or spouse, et cetera. So one question was going to the personal life side is how do you stay out of the he said, she said conversations that often pop up? I think, I mean, again, this is personal life and with friends and in the workplace. First thing I want you to do, um, if it is, is once you finish a conversation, you know, write that person a note. I know it sounds crazy, but the minute you get it in an email and say, you know, as we discuss this afternoon, X is going to be happening. You know, I will be handling Y, you will be handling Z whatever it might be, you've got to have a paper trail. It's critical, um, particularly in your workplace, because if you don't have that paper trail, then everybody, again, can go back to like, no, no, that's not how I remember it. Um, (laughs) And that doesn't help you at all. The other thing that is really important with uh, he said, she said, is not to get into a feelings-based conversation. Um, It really needs to be a fact-based conversation. So if someone's, you know, if you're talking to somebody, but when you do that, I feel like this and this and whatever it might be. No, 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 no. Don't want any part of that. Um, At that point, what I recommend you say is, I think the most important piece for me right now is to get clarity on your expectations of me. You're not having, you know, you want no part of how they feel about anybody else. It's just what does this person expect from you in this moment that you can now achieve? Um, The other thing, you know, and again, not so much um, in a one-on-one encounter, but if you do are in a workplace situation with your boss um, or at a lunch or anything like that, the minute that you take out a notebook (laughs) and you start writing down what people are saying, people get very focused on, look, this is actually what I want to say, rather than meandering down some kind of crazy feelings-based emotional turmoil situation. So a notebook is super useful. Um, And again, one of the other places that I highly recommend having your notebook in hand is anytime you're dealing with a doctor or a doctor's appointment for yourself or anyone else, because it's so very easy to you know, be overwhelmed with emotion and not be listening and not be present. So just make sure you have that. 
Okay. And I mean, let's, let's say you're doing a phone call, mm-hmm. right? And you want to uh, make the person aware. Like, you don't want to say, I'm recording this conversation because uh, that just like puts them. Right. You know, like they get defensive, sure. but you still want to let them understand that you're going to follow up with them, right? right? So you can avoid those, like how, what would be sort of a clean way of so doing that? So I think that? a lot of it's going to come down to tone. So you have to, in the most upbeat way imaginable, say, I love what you're saying and I think it's so important. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take notes while we're talking and then I'm going to type up my understanding of what we discussed and I'm going to send that on over to you. Perfect. I like that. <laughs> So you can avoid that whole thing. Well, you said this on the phone. And then it also takes out, you know, uh, reduces the risk of being like misunderstanding that can happen over the telephone, right? Because someone right. says something with a tone and it might not actually mean what they the tone conveyed. Um, yes. So no, it allows them to correct themselves or clarify. Yeah. And people, again, people do the minute you say, you know, I just, I'm going to be, ta- I'm going, it's not may I, you're not asking permission. I'm going to be taking some notes while we talk because this is really important. You want to give them the because behind why you're doing it, um, you know, not because I don't trust you or because <laughs> or because you always say one thing and do another because this is so important. I want to be I'm going to be taking some notes while we're talking. Awesome. Well, <laughs> let's say um, you have this uh, conversation and there's some misunderstanding and you need to go back and clean up that that misunderstood conversation. So how do you double back to an earlier conversation that you might've had and say, look, I thought there was some static here. Uh, can we revisit this without it being awkward, I guess? I mean, I think that you want to always say, you know, I feel like take the onus on yourself. I, I feel like I, um, there was some misunderstanding around our earlier conversation. I'm just not completely clear. So what I'd like to do is double back into it and make sure that I, again, really understand your expectations of me and, and, and also know that you have clarity on what I'm going to be doing going forward. But yeah, but always take the onus for any kind of mishmash on yourself. Yeah. Don't say, well, you were unclear. Yeah. That, that always ends. That ends poorly. Right. <laughs> so I think one of the things that makes difficult conversations difficult is the emotion that's right. in the situation or perceived emotion that's in the situation. Cause I often, I found with difficult conversations, like I'm the one who's thinking that there's a lot of emotion and tension there. And the other person like is completely oblivious to that tension or emotion. Uh, so what are some good ways of taking out the, the emotion of difficult conversations? I think what usually happens is that people get really focused on what they want and they either don't articulate or you just don't happen to know the why behind why they want it. Does that so what you really need to do is get underneath the what. So and there are a few ways to do that. So someone's like, I have to do this on this day. Um okay, you know what I'd like to do is I'd like to un, you know I'd like to hear a little bit more about how important to you. Um so, I mean, the few questions that I always ask in that moment is, you know, can we unpack that a little bit? Can you tell me a little bit more about why this is important? Because I want to make sure I understand. Um, or can we dig underneath this? You know, I can hear that it's important. Um, I've taken that in, but I really want to learn a little bit more about why it's important. Um, 
Because what that does is that sometimes underneath the demand, the what, uh, people actually feel much more similarly than you might imagine. So it's getting underneath that initial, like kind of the power struggle or the demand for something. Um, the other thing that I think is, can be really helpful in those moments is to say, you know, I need this or this needs to happen. Okay, well, what would that look like for you? Because you can think that you know, like, you know, I mean, it's such a silly example, but, you know, someone can say, I need you to do the laundry. Okay, so to one person, that means, you know, you separate the lights and the darks and you put it on cold or whatever it might be. And the other person's like, I'm just getting it done. I'm heaving everything in the washing machine. Um, <laughs> so people end up with very different results in those moments. So asking, what is it going to look like for you? Or, you know, having this happen, what, the, what is this going to provide for you? Because sometimes when we know what it's going to provide for somebody, we're like, oh, okay, I get, I get it, but it's important. You don't seem as unreasonable anymore. So those are a couple of good questions. And then what do you do after you get those answers? Let's say you, you've, you know, you ask the why and you understand where they're coming from, but still you're like, but still like, I, I, I can't jive with that. It's just like, cause there's a, there's competing interest or just not congruent. Um, how do you. I think, again, you did better saying to them, like, I do, I get why this is important to you, and I understand your ra the rationale for your request, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to, you know, show me the same courtesy and understand why I'm coming at it from the place that I'm coming at it and why this, you know, this is as important to me. Um, because, again, sometimes they haven't even begun to tune in to the why behind why you're making the request and or maybe you didn't spell it out that clearly. Wedding season is coming up and if you are preparing for the big day, I know wedding planning can be really intimidating, but finding the perfect suit shouldn't be. Indochino makes it easy to get a fully customizable suit right from your home. Don't just wear any suit on your big day, wear a custom made-to-measure suit. Suit started at just $499, which is about the same price you'd pay for an off-the-rack suit at a department store. And they've also got custom made-to-measure shirts starting at just $89. So I've talked about my Indochino suit on the podcast before. They've been a longtime podcast sponsor. It's navy blue. The measuring process was super easy. They got these video guides you follow. You'll need another set of hands to help you out with that. But the really fun part is customizing it. Got to customize how I wanted the lapels on the jacket, the pockets, the lining. I went no pleats on the pants on this suit. A lot of fun. And then in a few weeks, you have a made-to-measure custom suit sent directly to your door. When planning your wedding, get a suit as unique as you with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use code MANLINESS to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com, promo code MANLINESS. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the United States? You can grow lemon, avocado, olive, or fig trees inside your home on top of the wide variety of houseplants available. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer a free plant consultation forever. 
So I use fast growing trees to order not an indoor tree, but an outdoor tree. There is an oak tree that was in our front yard that died a few years ago due to heat stress, had to cut it down. There's been a blank spot that I've wanted to put another tree there. I wanted a maple tree that turned bright red during the fall. And I went on fast growing trees, found the tree that fit the criteria that I was looking for, turns bright red. It's a maple tree that turns bright red in the fall. So if you want to try fast-growing trees, right now they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when they use code MANLINESS at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using code MANLINESS at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code MANLINESS, offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Daylight saving time is starting up again. The goal of this is to give us more daylight from March through November. By setting our clocks forward, it may feel like there are more hours in the day, but if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates for your roles any sooner. There is only one way to do that. ZipRecruiter. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash manliness. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to help you find qualified candidates. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100 plus job sites so you can reach more of the right people. ZipRecruiter smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. Spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash manliness. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash manliness. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Picture that thing you've always wanted to learn. All right, you got that in your head? Now picture learning it from the person who's literally the best at it in the world. That's what you get with Masterclass. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors, and many of these instructors are former AOM podcast guests. You can learn negotiation from Chris Voss, leadership skills from Jocko Willink, how to master your habits with James Clear. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. So recently, I went through the masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss. A lot of useful information in there. Talked about the value of knowing a negotiation, how to use your body language and speech patterns to get your best out of a negotiation. Very well done. I really enjoyed it and got a lot out of it. Right now, listeners of our podcast can get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash AOM. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash AOM. Masterclass.com slash AOM. Check out the masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss. Okay. So that makes sense. (laughs) Um, So, another common theme was uh, social anxiety, Um, just being uncomfortable in social situations, whether it's one on one conversation, let's say at a party or on a date or doing a job interview. Um, Because, I mean, that's a social situation that that can, can produce a peak anxiety because you're on the spotlight. Um, so let's talk about just general conversation. Um, one, co- one question an AON listener uh, asked you, or what are three ways to stay in a conversation you feel is flagging? <laughs> well, there are a couple of different things that I always like to do. I think that you can always say, you know, I'd love to get your opinion on this. Um, because I don't know anybody who doesn't love to get their give their opinion about something. So if, you know, if you feel like a conversation's flagging say, you know, this has been so interesting so far, but I really I'd like to I'd like to little know a little bit more, I'd like to get your opinion. Um, the other thing is is that when they're in the middle of their story 
Um, if you just keep saying, frankly, and then what happened? And then what happened? Or the other, my favorite is, can you tell me more about that? You know, because people will follow that lead in an almost, it's almost, it, it's, it's a fascinating thing to do. Um, what I hear more often than that, though, is that people will say, oh, my God, you know, this morning I was having such a nervous breakdown about blah, blah, blah. And the person listening will be like, oh, my God, me too. I was having the worst morning. Okay, well, this is not a conversation. <laughs> so, wow, can you tell me more about that? And then what happened? Um, what did that look like? And all of those kinds of things. Just lead them on a little bit and really try and get into some of the nitty gritty. It will be more interesting for you. And any other ways? I mean, that's, I, like, I think it's a great one. Um, <laughs> Let's say like, it's feeling like, how do you interject? Like besides asking, what's your opinion? Like, let's say you want to bring up a new topic. How do you, what's a good way of transitioning to a new topic? Well, I think that you want to pick a topic that hopefully again is as interesting to them as it is to you. Um, so, I mean, I understand it's always way more fun to talk about ourselves. I get that, but it doesn't make for a great conversation. So, I think that it's one of those moments that you can say, you know, tell me a little bit about what you do, you know, in your free time. Um, because, you know, here's some of the things I like to do, but I'd love to learn more about, you know, you look like you're very fit. Um, you obviously work out, whatever that might be. What, so it's just, it's really take, again, taking clues from where you are, how you know them, who introduced the two of you. That's always like when people are introducing, you know, we are being introduced to someone. Um, so how you, or if you meet people at a party, so how do you know, how do you know the host? I promise you, they will go on for half an hour about the very first time they met. Yeah. <laughs> no. And I love the question, like what you do in your free time, because, right. you know, typically the, the go-to thing that I go to is like, so what do you do? And right. by that, I mean, like, what do you do for a living? And it's kind of boring. I think a lot of people, when they're at a party, they're like, okay, the last thing I want to talk about is work. Um, but I love that question. Like, what do you do in your free time? Right. That's a great one. Very cool. All right. So, so there's some ways to keep the conversation going is, uh, ask their opinion on something and then keep asking and then what, and then what, and then ask them questions about how they might know the host or what they do in the free time. Right. And the other love thing that. that I think, uh, just another note about introduction, introducing people to each other because I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but very often so I'll, I'll, I'll know someone who is introducing me to someone else and they'll say, oh, my God, Francis, this is Brett. You're going to love him. All right. I, I, no, I don't, I don't love Brett. Go with that. Like, I'm sure I will love you. <laughs> but don't, you know, that's tough because um, it sets the two people up. Like, A lot of pressure. For, for nothing. Um so again, I think it's always really helpful if you're introducing people to each other to say, you know, this is so-and-so, this is so-and-so, and this is why I think the two of you are going to have a great time talking. So what do you do? You're in a conversation with someone and you put out a thought, uh, a fact, or a conversation starter that goes over like a lead balloon. I think we've all had that happen. We throw something out there and they're just sort of like... Man, it's like <laughs> the uncomfortable <laughs> silence. So what, what do you do in those situations? I think the most important thing is to keep a sense of humor about it. Because what you don't want to do is end up, A, you know, killing the conversation 
and then be making other people do the cleanup for you. So I think it's one of these moments that you can say, oh, you know what? I guess that really wasn't as interesting as I thought it was going to be. Um, which is very different than saying, well, I guess I'm the only one who finds that interesting. <laughs> okay. Right, right. Now you've alienated everybody. <laughs> um, so, you know, or you could say, wow, you know, now that I'm, I heard that out loud, it's really not as funny as it was when it was inside my brain. Um, yeah. Again, which just, it's a lighthearted way of, le- of letting everybody off the hook. Gotcha. So you use some self-deprecating humor. Mm-hmm. A bit. Have some humility. Okay. Um, so going back to job interviews, um, one listener asked, how can people cope with anxiety in job interviews? One of the things, and it sounds incredibly pedantic, but one of the things I want everybody to do is to pick three small talk topics before an interview. Because, I mean, there are, there are all these, you know, we prepare for the, I hope we prepare please prepare for the hard questions. Um, But what we don't, you know, what we don't prepare for is that, you know, space of time while you're walking down the hall with somebody or, wow, we've just had a great interview and you're standing by the elevator waiting and you pick a topic out of thin air and the whole thing blows up in your face. So I really want you to have three small talk topics in your back pocket um, before any kind of interview. And uh, they can be as, you know, as small as, well, are there any restaurants nearby that you would recommend? You know, that kind of thing. Right. You want, you want to stay away from things like politics, probably. Yeah. And, and, and don't, I mean, if they've hung their diploma um, on the wall of their office, by all means, feel free to comment on that. But I, do, I don't recommend getting anywhere near like family photos or anything. Because people don't tend to update those <laughs> right. as frequently. And or they might have had a terrible fight with their spouse that morning or with their kid. And then they like tell you the entire story. And then they're horrified afterward that they overshared. Okay. So, yeah, stay away from the family photo. Stay away from the family. But sort of, sort of <laughs> keep it on pleasantries. Mm-hmm. Restaurant, food, sports, maybe mm-hmm. movies. Okay. All those kinds so of things. Three things there. Okay. That'll help with the anxiety. I mean, anything else besides that? I mean, is there any things right before you go into the interview? Is there any sort of, I don't know, mindset things you can do to help prepare yourself to kind of take off the edge? I mean, I think that there's, I want you to have done an obscene amount of research ahead of time, not in a creepy way. Um, you know, not like, wow, I was looking at the pictures of you in seventh grade. That's going to, you know, depress everybody and make you seem like a stalker. Um, but to say, you know, you went to X school, that is incredibly impressive. I saw that. Or, wow, I really, I saw that your company does, you know, the, the, this philanthropic outreach. And I was so impressed by that. So again, it's just, it's really letting them know that you have done more than prepared to talk about yourself right it's demonstrating that you're prepared to talk about them right so yeah a lot of part of the job interview is not so much to suss out your qualifications they usually do that through the resume they can see your gpa mm-hmm. your curriculum vitae they just want to know like are they going to get along with you they do 
when they, cause they're going to spend like, cause you, you spend most of your time, uh, with the people you work with. I mean, you probably spend more time with them than your family. Um, so That's they want to make sure. Those, yeah. For those of you who've like, I don't know if anybody's read the Tina Fey book, bossy pounds, but one of the things she, when she was talking about being the head writer at Saturday night live, one of the things they talked about is, is this somebody that I want to see in the break room at three o'clock in the morning? Cause we're going to be there together. Right. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's about if you're gonna get along. I remember I read, I was reading this book by this one guy. He was interviewing for a job at like a high, you know, high end um, investment firm. And there were a ton of other like qualified people. Like it was hyper competitive. Um, but he happened to see that the, the interviewing manager or executive had a, a Washington Redskins trash can in his office. And he just says, oh, you're a Redskins fan. And like the entire interview was about the Washington Redskins and how they've done poorly. And they're hoping that, you know, this season will turn it around. And uh, he ended up getting the job out, you know, beating out these other more qualified individuals. And it came down to, he's like, I think the guy just, he liked me better. Right. And what's so great about the way that he phrased that is, I see that you're a Washington Redskins fan because sometimes people say, but I don't care about sports. So how am I going to be able to no, well, again, I'm going to go back to it. Nobody cares about what you care about. People care about what they care about. So demonstrating that you're paying attention is honestly really most of the time, all that anybody needs to find you charismatic. <laughs> right. Yeah. I did. I remember when, when I was in law school, I had this uh, interview for a summer internship at a big firm here in, in downtown Tulsa. And uh, the guy saw that I speak Spanish fluently and he, we just had a conversation in Spanish. Like that was it. And just about where we were from, like, where'd you learn Spanish? And I ended up getting the, the job. Um, but it was like, I didn't, we didn't talk about the law at all. Because I think he saw that I was qualified, I had the grades, or whatever. But he just wanted to see: can this guy? Can I get along with this guy? Can I have fun with him? Yeah. Can I can, again? Is this someone I want to see at two o'clock in the morning? <laughs> All right. That's the thing. So yeah, remember you're going in there to see if they want to spend two o'clock in the morning with you. So, um, so another common theme, and this is well, this is the last one we'll hit for today. Um, but just people dealing with perceived in, with insecurities about maybe uh, a physical insecurity they might have, or perhaps just their background insecurity they might have and how to deal with these. So one question was, is how can someone cope with a stutter? Yes. Um, that was a question that I got. And, you know, it's so interesting that I have a very close friend who is an author um, and he has a stutter. And yet he does book readings all the time. And one of the ways that he handles it that I think is so graceful is before he starts to read, he just says, as you can hear, I have a stutter. I've had it since I was a child. I just want you to know that, you know, it resolves itself. So if you wait patiently, um, everything will move along. But it's just about he brings it up and he lets them know how they can participate in making things comfortable. So it's, it's, it's beautifully done. And at, at the end of the day, again, everybody's, you know, anything that they might have around it just falls away because he has just handled it. So that to me is the, the most graceful thing that I've seen anybody do. Um, it's, you know, it comes back to one of the things I talk about a lot is if you can't fix it, feature it, you know, if bring it up, don't pretend it's not happening, 
um, it's happening. So let me talk about it. Right. Okay. That's great. Yeah. Don't, don't try to, don't try to hide the elephant in the room. Right. Basically. Okay. And that can go with like any other type of, um, per, you know, perceived, uh, insecurity, right. right? Or that that's obvious to other people and just putting people at ease to say, okay, here's this thing. And there it is. And that's, that's that. And move right. on. Okay. Uh, well, another, you're oh, go ahead. Comfortable with it, they'll be comfortable with it. Right. So, yeah. Right. Um, and so another, uh, perceived a physical problem or insecurity that people have is um, what to do about feeling too tall. And I guess the corollary to this would be like, what to do if you feel like you're too short? Yes. Um, so I think, you know, one of the too tall, um, it's just, you know, some people, people struggle with this. Um, and I think it's just a matter of if you feel like you're looming, just take a half step back or, you know, is just to give people, you know, particularly if, if you're a, a larger man, uh, to give, you know, women a little bit more personal space only because we are like, we're smaller and it can be, you know, like it can feel a little bit threatening. So just that half step back or to lean forward, to lean in, to shake your hand. And then you can come, you know, quite, quite tall. Um, and, but that said, there's a school of thought and I, you know, I find tallness incredibly reassuring and attractive. So I think that I didn't know in this instance, if this was just something this gentleman was bringing to the party or if he had actually had people, you know, comment on how tall he was. Um, so it is, it's that two way street of, I need you to be comfortable with it. And if you sense others aren't just, you know, mention what's happening. Wow. I feel like I'm really, you know, looming over the gathering. <laughs> right. Um, so yes. So yeah, if you show that you're comfortable with it, other people are going to be comfortable with it as well. Yes. Um, what about like, if you feel like you're too short? Again, I think it's one of these moments where it, you need to look at what you are bringing into the room. Um, because it's possible that, you know, no one else is thinking about your height. Um, but if you walk in with all of that stuff, and I mean, and there's a reason why, um, they call it the Napoleonic complex. If then now again, everyone is, is, is having to make you feel comfortable. So that's not fun for them. So it, it's a matter of doing the work yourself. Okay. I recognize that often I feel like I'm far shorter than everybody else. Um, you know, again, for women, you can just put on some higher heels. Um, for men, it's harder. So I think it's just a matter of working through that, you know, talking to people you know and feel comfortable mentioning it to about, like, how do I read for you? Like, when you first met me, was it the first thing that you thought? Because often, you know, pe other people aren't as aware of, of it as you might be. And frankly, most people aren't thinking as much about you as you are. So it can be really helpful to to say to people, you know, was it one of the first things you thought about with me? Right. So yeah, um, oftentimes people aren't even thinking about the thing that you think no. they're thinking about when we're <laughs> enemies. And you know, you're going going back to that idea about it's hard for men if you're shorter and like kind of altering your appearance, right? Women can put on high heels. There's a, a great website that I'd recommend people go check out. It's called The Modest Man. Um, it's written by this guy named Brock. Um, he has style tips and advice for shorter 
men out there. And it's all about uh, dressing in a way that it makes you appear taller. Right. And just, you know, and also he just has a lot of great advice on dealing with some of those insecurities that shorter men might have. What is so, it? What a great resource. Yeah. It's called the modest man. So go check that out. If you are, if that's a, if that's an insecurity or perceived problem you have. So the other, uh, I thought this was kind of funny, the question, cause I'm sure this has happened cause I've seen it happen like in school on the first day of school when the teacher's going through the role. Um, and it's one of the questions was how can I put people at ease with my unpronounceable last name? Right. Um, I think, again, it's one of these moments where if you demonstrate that you're aware that your last name is kind of kooky, um, you're going to put them at ease. So, you know, it really depends on, on, on the people that you're with. Um, if it's a kind of a fun-loving group and you want to say, you know, my last name is blah, 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 and maybe we can all say it together, you know, that can work. But if these are people that like to feel smart or superior to you, then they're not going to go for that one. So um, I think in those moments, what I recommend is, you know, I know my last name is a bear to pronounce um, and it's pronounced, say your name and then say the origin of it is X. Because what you've done here is you've made them feel comfortable because you've told them how to pronounce your last name. And by telling them the origin, you've made them feel smarter. So now they can go out in the world and they can either inform or reprimand, depending on their personality, other people who don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> and you, in the process, you've been charismatic because you made yeah. the person feel better about themselves, which right. is the thing about charisma. Okay. That's some great advice there. Well, well, Francis, uh, these are the big themes we hit today um, and some of the questions we got, but where can people go and ask more questions so we can do this again sometime? Uh, my website is my name, FrancisColeJones.com. And Francis is with an E and not an I. Um, and there is, when you get there, an ask a question button. Um, and as I mentioned, yeah, all the questions roll to my phone. So please, you know, feel free to ask me about anything and everything. Um, I am happy to handle work thing. Work things is really my, my wheelhouse. Um, so anything that's going on with your boss or with your coworkers and job interviews. I love a good job interview question. And uh, just, you know, the day-to-day -day encounter can be fun. Great. Well, Francis Cole-Jones, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. My guest today was Frances Cole-Jones. She's the author of the book, How to Wow. You can find that on amazon.com. Also check out her website, FrancisColeJones.com and go to her Ask Her Question tab where you can send her a question. It goes right to her, uh, her iPhone. Ask her anything about personal, you know, just your personal or professional uh, presentation, whether you have a job interview question, whether you have you know, a question about small talk or how you should dress for certain situations, ask it to her and maybe we'll bring it up in a, in a future episode. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. For more manly tips and advice, make sure to check out the Art of Manliness website at artofmanliness.com. And if you enjoy this podcast, I'd appreciate it if you give us a review on iTunes or Stitcher as that helps spread the word about the show. As always, I appreciate your continued support. And until next time, this is Brett McKay telling you to stay manly.
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.